This morning we're looking at uh, a new series on, on perplexing points in the Bible. I couldn't think of a word for the Bible that begins with the letter P. So, perplexing points. And the first one that we're looking at is the resurrection. Uh, or to put it another way, what happens when the worms start getting indigestion from your gut? There's a song by the Newsboys, and the second verse says, uh, I don't know what goes down the moment we die. Do we get halos and harps? Do we sleep? Do we fly? I don't know. And I reckon a lot of people will, will think, well, you know, yeah, I believe in the resurrection. Don't ask me for details, because I don't know. But in the letter to the Thessalonians, Paul says, brothers and sisters, we don't want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest who have no hope. So this morning, we're going to be looking at the resurrection. Next week is probably going to be looking at grace. And we're going to be asking, let us try and inform ourselves on what it actually means. Now the reading for today is not actually in Thessalonians. It's in 1 Corinthians 15. And I'm sure there are some of you going, I'm so surprised that we're preaching on the resurrection from 1 Corinthians chapter 15. But we're actually going to do the, the less often quoted bit of 1 Corinthians 15, which is 1 Corinthians 15 verse 35 onwards. Oh, I should, before we do that, somebody on the notice, we, we asked what perplexed you in the Bible and you said, what is this business in 1 Corinthians 15.29 where Paul speaks about people getting baptized for the dead? What's up with that? Is that something legitimate? Is that something appropriate? Um, and it's quite easy to answer, no, it's not. It's complete rubbish. What Paul is saying to them is saying, if you say that there is no resurrection, what's the point of baptizing people if they're going to just sort of vanish into the nothingness? Baptism for the dead, Paul's not condoning it, he's just pointing out how the thinking of those who say there's no resurrection and yet do it is just completely twisted and useless. Um, if that is still a confusing issue for you, um, go and see Eric. <laughs> or come and see me. Excellent. Sorted. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And they probably pick it up from that verse. Uh, but Paul's not saying do it. He's saying you guys are idiots for doing it. And Paul would use words like you are idiots because that's what he uses in this, in this uh, morning's passage. Let's start at verse 35. But someone will ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body will they come? How foolish, which is, which is the NIV being tran translating it very politely. What Paul says is, fool, fool, you, what you sow doesn't come to life unless it dies. When you sow, you do not plant the body that will be, but just a seed, perhaps a seed of wheat or something else. But God gives it a body as he has determined, and to each kind of seed he gives its own body. 
All flesh is not the same. Human beings have one kind of flesh. Animals have another. Birds another. Fish another. There are also heavenly bodies and there are earthly bodies. But the splendor of the heavenly bodies is one kind and the splendor of the earthly bodies is another kind. Uh, the sun is one kind of splendor. The moon another. The stars another. The stars differ from star in splendor. So it will be with the resurrection of the dead. The body that is sown is perishable. It is raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. Sown in weakness. Raised in power. Sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. Now if there's a natural body, there's also a spiritual body. So it's written, the first Adam became a living being. The last Adam a life-giving spirit. The, the spiritual didn't come first, but the natural, and after that the spiritual. The first man was of the dust of the earth, the second man is of heaven. As was the earthly man, so are those who are of the earth. And as is the heavenly man, so also are those who are of heaven, who are of heaven. And just as we have borne the likeness of the earthly man, so shall we bear the likeness of the heavenly man. I declare to you, brothers and sisters, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality. When the imperishable has been clothed with the when the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true, death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh death, is your sting? Where, O oh death, is your sting, your victory? And the sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law, but thanks be to God, He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Isn't it just brilliant? Let's pray. Father, thank you that we can come to you as the one who gives meaning and purpose and hope and certainty that there is more to this life than just living and dying. Lord Jesus, this is a topic which is sometimes very confusing for us. We don't understand how you will raise us. But we trust, Lord, that you have our best in mind. Lord, we hold on to your promise that, that you are able to keep that which we've entrusted unto you, our very selves. Lord, we hold on to the truth that one day we will see your glory face to face. One day we will be like you, Lord Jesus, and we long for that day. All of creation groans in anticipation of that day. How we long for it. But Lord, as we look at this now and we try to to understand the mystery that Paul speaks of. I, I ask that you would open our hearts, open our minds. Lord, that we might take hope in a deeper appreciation of what you have for us and what happens when we, when we die. Amen.
What does happen when we die? <laughs> we, we talked about this a little bit on music practice on Wednesday, and we sort of came up with three or four different options. Um, do you go to sleep? Do you go straight to heaven? Do you get the, the requisite harp and get to bounce about on clouds? What happens? Let's see. Uh, we're going to explore a little bit using 1 Corinthians 15 as our base, but, but sort of uh, going off a little bit uh, to the broader biblical picture. If at any point you don't understand what I'm saying, can you just shoot your hand into the air and say, Nicholas, slow down or put it another way? Because, you know, this is really important stuff. Paul says in the first bit of 1 Corinthians 15 that if there is no resurrection, we are wasting our time sitting here on a beautiful autumn day. If there's no resurrection, then, well, A, we've, we're wasting our time. B, we're calling God a liar. And that's always a shortcut to to getting God a bit upset. <laughs> doesn't take kindly to being called a liar. What is the resurrection? I think we can say that if there's one thing which characterizes our world, it's, I think this is right, it's a sense of hopelessness at death or or a sense that, that death just sort of finishes it all. There's no, my life is fulfilled when I die. It's just, you're dead. And I've had the privilege of conducting quite a few funerals. and ah, The difference between a Christian funeral and the funeral of one who does not know the Lord is night and day. Different religions tell us that different things happen when we die. We know that, that the Eastern uh, religions, quite a lot of them talk about us becoming one with the divine reality. So when we die and we breathe our last, our soul escapes our body and is sort of joined together with all that is good and divine in the universe. Which has got a nice sound to it, doesn't it? But it's actually, it, if you think about it, it's actually a very depressing idea. Because all that we are as a person, as an individual, gets lost in this amorphous blob of gaudy stuff. In that view of, of what happens when we die, God's not really a person. And who you are and who you've been throughout your life doesn't matter. Some other people say, no, when you die, if you've been really good, you'll come back as a cricket, and then when Nicholas stomps on you, you'll come back as a pig. Etc., etc. Because, according to that view, what matters is the inner spark of life within you. And, and, and really, we're just like, hermit crabs, that when we die we find another shell to put over ourselves. 
Same problem. Who I am as a person means nothing in that view. Or even if it means something, who I am as a person doesn't continue. The ancient Greeks, in the context in which Paul was writing, had this idea, very similar, that, 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 that you have an immortal soul. And, and this is still around today. A lot of people think we have body and soul, and when we die, our body rots in the grave, but our soul is set free. Because our body is disgusting and icky and yucky, and it's tainted and it's perishable, and our soul is so much better. And when we die, we, we find eternal happiness, eternal blessedness. It sounds very boring to float around as a bit of soul. <laughs> Besides which, that's not what the Bible says happens when we die. When God made the first human, when he made Adam, by the way, the word Adam is, is a play throughout Scripture on the, on the word Adam because it's Hebrew for human. God called the first human, human. When God made the first human, he made him a living being. And he said, this is good. With a body. And God said, ah, fantastic. And when the Bible speaks about the resurrection, when the Bible speaks about us living with God in his kingdom through all eternity, it speaks about a bodily resurrection. Just a few weeks back, we, we were looking at Easter, how Jesus rose from the grave and appeared to his disciples, and he stood there in the room with them while, while they were there, and he said, look at me, I'm really real. Touch me. Yes, look, bones, flesh, I'm here. So the Bible speaks of, of us being raised with a body, with the personality that is a continuation of the personality that we have here on earth. And there's going to be some brilliant DIY work done between here and then. <laughs> the, 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 the bits of our personality that make us sin... <laughs> They'll be shorn out. But what makes you, you, and what makes me, me, will be the same. We'll get to heaven, and Colin will be Colin. And people will say, oh, isn't Colin funny? He's got this, this fantastic quirk where he always goes like this when he praises. I'm making that up, Colin. <laughs> and isn't Nicholas weird? Because he always goes like this. Or whatever, the quirks, the personalities, the, the thing that makes me, me, and makes you, you, will carry on. We'll be raised. Remember Jesus, when he appeared to them, they clicked, hey, this is Jesus. But at the same time, when they looked at him, they didn't recognize him straight away. There, there was a difference and yet the sameness. 
there's a continuity with what we are now, and yet we're different at the same time. So what's the big deal with the resurrection? In Acts 17, verse 32-ish, Paul is, is in Athens and he's just been telling them the good news about Jesus and the resurrection of the dead. And as soon as Paul mentions the resurrection of the dead, we read that some of the people looked at him and started sneering at him. Ha! <laughs> the stupid provincial man from Judah. Well, they're not actually from Judah, but, but the stupid provincial man. He thinks there's going to be a resurrection of the body. <laughs> Idiot. And Paul says, no, not idiot, brilliant. Because the resurrection and the fact that we will be with the Lord changes everything. Why not conduct an experiment this week? Go and find a random non-Christian person and say, hey, what do you think about the resurrection of the dead? <laughs> I bet their reaction will be very similar to that Paul got in Athens. You're an idiot for believing that. I'll tell you what happens, because we're, we're bright these days. We understand these things. We've studied science. We, we know what happens when you get put under the ground. First off, you get a bit of bacteria happening, and then you get some worms, and they, they chomp, 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 and, and all of this stuff, you get eaten away. And, and give it a hundred years, and your flesh is gone. Give it a couple of thousand years, and there's, there's maybe a few bones left, but, but long enough, uh, and it'll turn to rock anyway, so it doesn't really matter, does it? How on earth can there be a resurrection? And some Christians have been very worried and said, I can't get cremated. <laughs> How am I going to be resurrected if, if my ashes are spread out over the oceans? Well, you know, we're not the first persons to come up with, with arguments like that. Because that's exactly the question that we see in 1, uh, 1 Corinthians 15 verse 35. Uh, we, we see them asking over here, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body will they come? How is it possible for them to rise when their bodies have gone away? And I love Paul's answer there. As I say, he says, fool! <laughs> Think about your argument just a little bit. And it's quite emphatic there. It says, you, you take, you take the seed any seed, you put it in the ground, what happens? Wow, the seed disappears and suddenly you've got a plant. And you can practice this experiment again. You put another seed in. Six months later, your seed's gone. You can dig it up, but there's a plant. And try it again. Put a seed there. Six months later, oh, dig it up. There's no seed left, but there's a plant. It seems to die, the seed. It seems to decompose, but... But from that very spot, we see new life appearing. And Paul's point here is that, that God is the one who has given all things their bodies. And he gives this fantastic list of, 
people and animals and cows and stars and different stars look differently and have different bodies and, and the moon's different to the sun and, and you are different to, to the cat that sleeps on your bed at home. All these things are different and God has given each of them a different body. And if God is able to give all these different things, different bodies, different beings, well, no, different bodies, surely He's able to give a resurrection body as well? I mean, think about it. In the beginning, God made all things from the stuff He had lying around in His garage. (laughs) No, God, God made all things from nothing. Now, if God can make everything from nothing once, what's to say that He can't go and remake bodies for all of us, the millions of millions of people who have been believers of Him, the millions of people, who's to say God can't do it? He's good at making bodies, says Paul. And we know that because look at all that He's made. (laughs) So he says, let's think about this creation stuff just a little bit. Let's, let's think about the first human, the first prototype human, let's call him, and the second prototype, the, the one on which we base or are found and, and shaped. Because all of us follow the pattern of the first Adam, who was tainted by sin and rebellion. All of us have that ickiness. But, says Paul, there is a second prototype human. One came from earth We're on earth at the moment and so we inherit all the stuff that he brought. But the second one came from heaven. Perfect. And in him, we too can share in that perfect humanity. I tend to mention this quite a lot because it's important. But if you go back to Genesis chapter 3, when God finds Adam and Eve and they've been hiding from him because they've sinned, God kicks them out of the garden. And prior to this time, God used to walk about through the garden with Adam and Eve. They used to just hang out together. Isn't that a fantastic idea, hanging out with God? It's going to be brilliant one day, isn't it? Having coffee with Jesus. But when sin came, the sting of death, they had to leave. Because, uh, as, as Paul sets, says it here, the imperishable cannot stand in the presence, sorry, the perishable cannot stand in the presence of the imperishable. Or verse 50, Paul says to us over here, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. It's like trying to put two north magnets together. just doesn't work. Ah, ha, ha, got you, Nicholas. 
Uh, You've been going on about how we're going to have bodies when we're resurrected. But Paul's just said, verse 50, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Gotcha, sorted, no bodies when we are raised. Well, no. (laughs) Flesh and blood is is just sort of this, this common language to say that which is of the earth. Our natural state cannot inherit the kingdom of God. It's got to mean that because Jesus had flesh and blood. (laughs) And if the king can't inherit his own kingdom, there's big problems. But what does Paul say? All these other religions and other ideas have got this concept that our soul needs to escape from the prison that is our body. That when we die, it's a release, a setting free. And the Greeks go the furthest back then and they said, it's because the soul is what is good and the body is what is bad. Paul says no. No. But yes. You say the body's corrupt, don't you? You say the body is worthless and useless. You are absolutely right. It is. Good news though, we're getting a new one. It's going to be brilliant. It's going to be imperishable. Uncorruptible. You say the body is dishonorable, don't you? That's what the people were saying back then. In fact, Numbers said that if you touched a dead body, you were unclean until evening. Death is dishonorable. Body is dis- dishonorable. Yeah, this is Paul. Yeah. There's so much gooey slime from sin and rebellion. Uh, it's a mess because of what Adam has done and what we've carried on doing. It's dishonorable indeed. But good news we're getting a new one and it's going to be glorious. <laughs> Just like Jesus' body is glorious. You say the body is weak, and I tell you what, if you look in a coffin at a funeral, the body is pathetically weak, but you know what? We're getting a new one. And it's no longer going to be weakened by sin and, and subject to decay and corruption. It's going to be filled and empowered by the Spirit. It's going to be fantastic. Says Paul, all these ideas that you have that the body is bad, you're right, But the fact is that God designed us as bodied people. And let's just go on a a bit of an aside here. Heaven is not some place on the clouds where we wander around and play harps. The Bible tells us that on the day when Jesus returns, heaven will come to earth and heaven and earth will be one. There will be a new earth. And we will be there with new bodies, resurrection bodies like Jesus's. And it'll be fantastic. Boy, I'm looking forward to that day. I'm, I'm, I'm banking on the fact that I'll lose about 30 kilograms. <laughs> All I know is I'll be the ideal weight. <laughs> When do we get it? See, this is actually 
An interesting question, if you think about it. When does God switch out this old body for the new one? When we die? Do we go straight to heaven? The Catholics have got this doctrine that when you die, you go straight somewhere, usually to purgatory, because apparently Jesus' work on the cross wasn't enough to deal with all of our sins, which is complete nonsense. (laughs) What happens when we die? When will we be transformed? And I just love Paul. Verse 51. (laughs) Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. And one level is really clear there, isn't it? But on another level, it's quite complex. And it still is a mystery for us how God's going to do any of this, except we know He will because He can. But the secret, says Paul here, is that those of us who are not dead yet when Jesus arrives will be changed straight away. That's good. But listen to what he says here again. We will not all sleep, not all of us will sleep, but we will all be changed. As in whether we're sleeping or not, whether we're dead or not, we will all be changed. When? In a flash, that's how, in the twinkling of an eye, that's the timing, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, the dead will rise imperishable, and we will be changed. When does it happen, says Paul? It happens when the trumpet sounds, which is Bible speak for, on the day when Jesus comes back. So when do we get our new bodies? We get it when Jesus returns. If we're dead, we get it when Jesus returns. If we're alive, we get it when Jesus returns because we have to have a new body if we're going to get into heaven. Because the imperishable cannot exist, or the perishable cannot exist in the imperishable. Some of you are a bit worried. Where are our loved ones who died in Christ right now? Paul's just been saying that that the imperishable cannot inherit the kingdom of God. And he's just said to us that we'll get our new imperishable imperishable bodies on the day of Jesus' return, which hasn't been yet. (laughs) So where are the dead in Christ now? Still sleeping? Still waiting? Are they conscious? Is there no time? (laughs) Let me tell you what I think. I I think there's some truth in in all that we've said there. Except the no time bit. Sorry, Joan. Ah, that's where I disagree with you. 
and, and time is one topic that always confuses me, so I say this with all humility. Uh, one of the books I read said that, that death is more than just the transition from earth to being with the Lord. It's also the transition between earthly time and eternal time. How can there be time in eternity, Nick? You're nuts! <laughs> well, it's an interesting thing because our God is an eternal God, yes? From eternal to eternal, yes? Well, let's open up our Bibles and read each page where in time God steps in and deals with us. Where in time Christ walked amongst us. I mean, the, the Bible is the history of God dealing with us in time. So if God is in eternity, He's got to be able to interact with time somehow here on earth. I, I, I like to think of it this way. If, if we are, let, let's imagine ourselves to be astronauts for a moment. We go up and we sit in the International Space Station and we can see the whole of the earth underneath us. We can see it all. But somebody who's sitting outside on the earth can't see it all at once. And it's confusing how it works, but, but from eternity, you, time is just laid out in front of you. I think. I know that there has to be a connection between time here as we experience because God deals with us in our time. Let's come back to that in a minute. <laughs> what happens? When do we get resurrected? It says, Paul, we get our new bodies when Jesus returns. I prayed a thing that Paul says. He says, I know whom I have believed and I am certain that he is able to keep that which I've entrusted to him until the day. What day? The day of his return. What have I entrusted to him? I've entrusted my very self, my person. The Bible says that we will all rise and there will be a judgment day and the dead in Christ will rise and be judged as innocent and righteous because of what Jesus has done, and those who have rejected Jesus will be judged guilty. And I want to suggest to us that death doesn't mark the end of our personal existence, even though we don't get our, our bodies yet. It's not like we suddenly go into this coma where, where we stop being a person for a while. I want to suggest that when we die, God keeps us until the day of his return. Those who belong to Jesus are kept with him. Remember the thief on the cross? He said, remember me, and Jesus says, I tell you the truth, today you will be with me in paradise. Doesn't mean he's going to get his resurrection body yet, no. That, that happens when Jesus comes back. But he's with Jesus. And when we die, we're with Jesus. There's, 
there's that fantastic passage in Revelations where we find the martyrs under the, the altar, I believe, and they look to, to the Lord and they say, How long, O Lord? And we're told in Romans of creation crying out, longing, groaning in anticipation of the children of God being revealed, in anticipation of us being shown off in our new imperishable bodies and all creation being made afresh. Because we are still waiting for that. And from our perspective in time, someone who dies, it's like they're asleep. It's like they're just there. Their, their body is decaying. They, it's, they're dead from our perspective. But from their perspective, are they conscious? You can't be much of a person if you're not. I don't know how it works. We are made as bodied people, and yet God is able to keep us until our body is ready, like life support in a hospital. God keeps us. They're conscious. They, they, they know what's happening, I believe. But time's a weird thing to get your head around, because from their vantage in eternity... There's the day of the Lord, right. (laughs) I'll have to wait and see what happens when I die to work out exactly how that works. Unless the Lord comes first. What does my cartoon say? Yeah. Time sure flies when you're dead. Time sure flies when you're dead. And you can see what's happening. I mean, Samuel was able to be brought back in 1 Kings, which got God very upset. And Elijah and Moses were able to speak to Jesus. They were still conscious. Saw their bodies. Yeah. I don't pretend to have all the answers. (laughs) But what Paul says here, we get our new bodies when Jesus returns. But time is weird. Jesus is coming back. And we will all be resurrected on that day. The dead in Christ will rise. Actually, they'll, they'll get there first. Isn't that a bonus? <laughs> like a few seconds. And then we will rise as well. God keeps us until he gives us the best body ever. And I'm looking forward to that. But, so, what? That's in the future, Nick. It's in the future! Yes, it is in the future, but guess what? What have we been saying? Who you are as a person will continue. 
and the call on our lives, the impossible call of God, is to set our eyes on Christ, is to, is to imitate Him, is to live out what we are now. Remember Ephesians chapter 4, be true to the calling to which you have been called. 4 verse 13 of Ephesians. This is the challenge. And what does Paul say over here? Out of all of this, because of the resurrection, because of the fact that it's coming, because death has been overcome and swallowed up in victory, verse 58, therefore, because of all of this, brothers and sisters, stand firm and let nothing move you and give yourself fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor for the Lord is not in vain. Because the resurrection is happening. Because you and I do not stop being you and I when we die. Because we, have going, we are going to be part of the new heaven and the new earth and the new creation with new bodies that are going to be fantastically brilliant. Because of all of this, because of this, we must live our lives differently now. Because although everything is going to be different, it's still going to be the same. Paul says to the Ephesians, let us encourage one another to put on the new self and take off the old self. Hey, we're not there yet. But we know where we're going to be so start. Let's start living it out right now. Right here. Amen. And I hope you're not all brilliantly confused at the end of all of that.